So we, we are in a culture which loves to blame circumstances. I used to teach uh, teenagers, older teenagers, and uh, you know, sometimes they'll turn up late uh, for school. And uh, they'll say, sorry, it wasn't my fault. The, uh, the bus was late. And then they turn up the next day and the bus is late. And the next day, and the bus is late. Go, well, isn't there an earlier bus? Yes. Well, you need to get on the earlier bus to get here on time. Yeah, but then I'm here 20, 30 minutes beforehand. It's the responsibility of the bus company to make sure I get here on time. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Get an earlier bus. If that's the first bus, fair enough. But no, get an earlier bus. Or other, other reasons for turning up. My mum didn't wake me up. How old are you that your mum has to wait? Does she dress you as well? That's what I normally asked. We live in a culture which loves to blame other people, love to blame our circumstances yeah. for what happens. But I'm, I'm telling you now, it's no excuse. You can't get to heaven and you go, well, I didn't have a great father. I didn't have a great mum. My school was terrible. My church was horrendous. We cannot blame circumstances because God won't take them into account. We have to take responsibility for our shortcomings. I'm never going to win X Factor. One, because I, haven't, I can't be bothered to rehearse enough. And the second is because I know my voice isn't that good. No matter how much I try, my voice is never going to be good enough to win X Factor. But that's where we get to with God. Sometimes it's because we don't try hard enough. Sometimes it's because we're just not good enough. But God says, don't worry. My blood is enough. My blood is sufficient. You don't think you're holy enough? Well, take my blood. You've now got my holiness. You don't think that you're righteous enough? You've now got my righteousness. You don't think you're powerful enough? You've now got all my power. You don't think you've got enough authority? I give you all my authority. Yeah. In John, Jesus says, the Father has given me everything, everything, and I give it to you. There is no excuse. That's why responsibility is not a nice word. Okay, so that's, that's the gospel, and I, that didn't sound very brilliant, but then why? That's the gospel. It's about taking responsibility and, and going to God, and then he does it. Yes, that's, that's what we know. Okay, so let's look at Psalm 100 and let's look at my notes. Psalm 100, I've lost 15. That's the one, 115 verse 16. And I want to look at salvation in the light of this verse, in what I've just told you. Psalm 115 verse 16. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Or he's given to the sons of men. Now, don't worry, women, that does include you. Yeah. You, get, you get to call, be called sons. That's fine. I'll continue doing it. But, you know, us gentlemen have to be called the bride of Christ. And this bride gets to marry the king of kings. So I guess that makes us gentlemen the queen of queens. <laughs> Maybe I should ring a, write a song about it. But that, that verse, which has disappeared, please bring it back. Thank you. 
The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to us. Think back to Genesis. God says to Adam and Eve, go into all the earth and subdue it. What's that mean? Go into all the earth and make heaven come to earth. I've given you the earth. You're responsible for it. It's that nasty word again. And then Jesus comes because, you know, we muck it up. Well, more specifically, Adam and Eve muck it up. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm passing the responsibility over, you see. I'm passing the buck. Um, Jesus comes back again, dies on the cross, and he goes to hell, and he, he, and he comes back to his disciples before he goes back up to heaven. And he says, I've got the keys back. I've been to hell. I've got the keys back. What's he saying? I've got the authority back for the earth. Now, just like in Genesis, go into all the world. Preach the good news. Heal the brokenhearted. Open the blind eyes. Heal the sick. Cast out devils whenever you find them. Subdue the earth. Who's responsible for the earth? It's us. Why does God allow suffering? Uh, Why do we? Who did he leave in charge? See... In Hebrews 10 verse 13, it says this, Jesus is waiting until his enemies are humbled as a footstool under his feet. Okay. Jesus is in heaven waiting for his enemies to be put under his feet. But I thought that happened at the cross. Well, it did. But he's waiting for the power and the authority of the cross to be made manifest all over the earth before he comes back that the glory of God will fill the whole earth before he comes back. He's there going, come on, I want my bride, but I can't come back until she becomes a woman. I don't want to come and marry a girl who doesn't understand responsibility. I want to marry a woman who's upright and has taken responsibility for the earth. He's waiting. And then Paul writes in Romans, the whole earth groans for the sons of God to be revealed. What's he saying? He's waiting for the sons of God to grow up, to realize they're no longer children, but to take authority over the earth, to, to take the victory of the cross, stop blaming on someone else, stop passing the buck and say, I'm going to make heaven come to earth. Whose responsibility is it? It's ours. Yeah. Yeah. See, we don't know who we are. Let me, oh, this is a brilliant verse I, I shared at the prayer meeting. Revelation 3.21. This blew my mind. Have we got it out there? Well, to the one who is victorious, this is Jesus speaking, to the church, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne in heaven. What is your destiny? Who are you? What has God called you to do? He's called you to sit on his throne with him in heaven. Yeah, it's, it's like, how, how, what? Yes. How, how do you get your head around that? What's the key? Well, Galatians 4 verse 1 says this. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, that's what we're saying, he is no different from a slave. As long as the church is a child, they are no different from slaves. But when he grows up, he owns the whole estate co-heirs with Christ. That's what the Bible says. The earth is ours. What? Who is responsible? We are. 
So I want you to imagine a, a 20 year old lad, because we're talking son, so we talk a 20 year old lad. He's gone through his education, maybe he's been to university, and uh, you're his parent, so sorry if you're young, you're his parent, and you come back, uh, he's still living in your house, you come back from work, working really hard, to find that your son still hasn't got a job, that the lovely kitchen you lay really nice and clean is now in a mess, uh, I don't know what's happened to the living room, and you're greeted with, there's no food in the house, what's for tea, where's my shirt, which I put in the laundry bin, can I have a tenner to go out tonight? You would, I think, feel quite aggrieved if that happened to you for a 20-year-old. For a five-year-old, well, fair enough, you shouldn't have left him alone. But for a 20-year-old, <laughs> you want them to get some responsibility. Okay, maybe you can't get a job, but you could have done the washing up. You could have cut the grass. You could have had a meal ready for me when I came home. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was just for you, Stuart. The problem is, I think the church is like this. Come for that slide. The church is like this. John Royal from the Royal Family, if you don't know who that is. See, John, he's lost his job. And what his, his day consists of is sitting in his chair, watching TV, and mugs like me watch him watching TV on TV. Never understood how that program worked, but it does. Um, and his wife, Barbara, Goes out, does the work, gets some money, comes home. I would say she does the cleaning, but have you seen the house? Have you seen about the cooker? But does all the cooking, does all the laundry, and he just sits there in his seat. And you want to say, get some responsibility, man. If you can't get a job, do some cooking, do something. Get some responsibility. I believe the church is, has come of age and we don't want to be John Royal sitting in a chair, shirking our responsibilities. We have an earth to bring under the rule of Christ. We have an earth which needs to experience heaven upon earth and is our responsibility. How do we do it? It's the same way as salvation. You see, salvation is not I just go to heaven. It's that your life is changed. The whole land is changed. So how do you do it? Well, you start to take responsibility. I'm going to take responsibility for my family. And I can't do it. So what do I do? I go to the feet of Jesus and say, help. Or I I see that there's drug addicts um, on my street. What am I going to do? I'm going to start to take responsibility. And I'm going to go to the foot of Jesus and go, help. And he will equip me and give me the power and the authority and the strategies to change the situation around. It's the same way as salvation. Do you remember... Ian Christensen, yeah. and he, he gave this story about his daughter being uh, bullied at school. So what was her response? I'm gonna, I don't know how to deal with it, but I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray, yeah. I'm gonna pray. Those bullies didn't stand a chance. I'm gonna pray every day for them, they didn't stand a chance. What happened, I, I seem to remember they became her best friends or something. Yeah. Why, because she took responsibility and went to the feet of Jesus. I've heard some amazing stories recently. Um, There was a church in in Thailand, only had 46 people in it, only, sorry, had 46 people in it. 
and third biggest, third biggest church in Thailand at the time. That's good, isn't it? Um, and they got this idea that actually I'm not supposed to be looking just after my church, but I have authority, I have responsibility for my region, not just the church. So the tsunami hit. And they said, right, well, we're going to put this into action. So they went out and they found people in need. They took tents, they took supplies, and they found this group of, of uh, villagers who had lost, who were fishermen and lost their boats, lost their houses, lost their, some of them lost their clothes. I don't know how you do that, but anyway, lost food and were destitute. And they fed them. And they came back the next day and they fed them. And they gave them the gospel and they fed them. And they told them that God loved them and they fed them. And then a few days later, the whole village comes to church and says, this God, we want to know him. We want to become Christians. The whole village en masse. But listen what happens next. This is, this is the amazing thing. So they're starting to, to know what it is to be a Christian. I don't want to be on uh, people's charity. I want to, to live for myself. I, I want to provide for my family. So they asked the, the, the pastor for some wood to rebuild their boats. So the, so the pastor went around all the shops in Thailand. I don't know what that looks like, but he did. And couldn't find any wood because it already been bought up by the government. And they'd already given it to the Thai fishermen. You see, these guys, which the church went to, they were, the, they were sea gypsies. They weren't even citizens in their own country. Poorest of the poor. So anyway, the pastor goes back with bad news to his village. I'm sorry, can't get any wood anywhere. I've tried, I've tried every shop, can't get any wood anywhere. And their response, uh, well, I'll tell you their response. They said, why did you go to a shop? You said that we have a father in heaven who gives us what we need. So it's like, oh, right, okay, better pray then. So, so he prays a very simple prayer, but can you provide some wood for us, God? Stays, at, stays there that night with them on the beach in tents because they still haven't got houses. And in the middle of the night, they're shaking his tent to wake him up. And he thinks there's no tsunami coming, but no, that's not what's happening. It is raining planks of wood. <laughs> on the beach. Next morning by lunchtime, I've seen the pictures, they'd already built two boats. Now that's impossible. Because it takes, the, the way they build the boats, it takes them two months to do it. And yet, on the beach had dropped seven piles of wood. They needed seven boats. And in the pile of wood, it was kind of like an airfix kit. With all the wood, pre-shaped, formed, cut, all they had to do was put it together. What happened? A church took responsibility for their area. They were faced with a problem which they didn't know what to do with, so they just went to the feet of Jesus. And he equipped them with the wood. He also, they also looked at their police. Now, now in Thailand, you may know, especially in this region, the police can be often corrupt, mainly because they don't have enough officers. They haven't got the time. They haven't got the resources. And, and corruption just goes right through it. So... In this state, in, in, in Thailand, the, the police were like the tax collectors in the New Testament. Nobody wanted to know them. Everyone hated them because they would basically take your money to line their own pockets. So the church said, well, Jesus came to, for all the earth. These guys need the gospel as anyone else. So they, so they um, put on a, a meal for them, a party for them. But they had karaoke and Thai police apparently love karaoke. So there's karaoke going all night. And in the middle of the party, the, the, the pastor asked the, um, the chief of police, what do you need? And he says, well, I need 7,000 
more police officers. We really don't have the resources and we're at the end of the line. We're not going to get any more police officers. And so the pastor goes, okay then, grabs the microphone for the karaoke, stops the karaoke, says, right, um, I'm just going to pray uh, for our God to provide 7,000 police officers. So, so he prays in the middle of, of their, their concert, their, their party for 7,000 police officers. A couple of days later, the phone's ringing. Your God's quick. <laughs> 7,000 police officers added to that district. Police saved, police chief saved, coming to church. The police chief asking the church, how do I get rid of corruption in the police? An area transformed where now there is no corruption in the police. All because someone took responsibility for an issue rather than moaning about the police in their situation, rather than saying it's, they're terrible, they need to go to hell, they need to learn a lesson, so we're going to love them, we're going to love them, and we don't know how to get 7,000 new police, but, but we're going to just give it to the feet of Jesus, and he'll make a way. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Often we think like prayers, well, they're a bit, you know, useless. Just being honest, we often think that, don't we? Okay, is it just me? Okay. But one prayer caused it to rain wood. One prayer caused 7,000 police to come into a, a region. One prayer turned, well, prayer upon prayer, turned uh, bullies into friends. You see, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. They are mighty in God. We may not think they are, but they are mighty in God. We just have to have our, our thinking reprogrammed. Mighty in God. So your office, it doesn't stand a chance. Your office doesn't stand a chance. If you take responsibility for the gossip, for, for the bad mouthing, for the salvation of the people in your office, it doesn't stand a chance. You go in and you start just speaking blessing. Just what Jesus said, peace. And speak good when other people speak evil. And then every night, pray for them. Every morning, pray for them. And no matter what they say, no matter what they throw at you, if you take it to God in prayer, there is power unleashed. So much power unleashed. Listen to this. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the intentions of the heart. It's saying the same thing as our weapons are mighty. It changes the way people think. Your prayers change the way people think. It enables them to see the goodness of God. So I'm just going to run a few scriptures uh, really quickly together. John 6, 63. Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak are spirit and life. They are living inactive. Think back to Genesis. How did God bring Adam to life? He breathed into him. The word spirit is the same word as breath. Exactly the same word. The Holy Spirit is God's breath. So, the words I speak are breath and life is what Jesus was saying to him. When I speak words to you, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you life. I'm giving you the, the Holy Spirit is contained. The power of the Holy Spirit is contained in those words and I'm giving you life. Jesus is, is, is pictured in Revelation 
with a sword that is coming out of his mouth. I, I'm just connecting all these scriptures together. The Word of God is like a really sharp sword. In Revelation, Jesus is bringing down the beasts and the enemy and all, all the dark things with a sword which is coming out of his mouth. Okay? 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 says this, Then the lawless one, the Antichrist and, and the beast and all that kind of stuff will be revealed, who the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth. So we've got two pictures, one where there's a sword coming out, one where there's Jesus breathing and the enemy is being destroyed. Catch this. The Word of God contains the Spirit. It contains the breath, it is the power. The Word is the authority, the Spirit is the power. So then Paul writes this in Ephesians, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Or put it this way, which is, take the sword of the, of the breath. Take the sword of the breath, which is the Word of God. You see, we sing, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out your praise word. We already sing it. Do you put the power within us? We just need to speak it. And it's like a sword, a mighty weapon, which can transform whole communities, transform lives, transform whole. Get us a building. We need to speak it. What's Paul's reaction straight after he says, and the sword of the breath or the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the very next sentence, he says, so with all prayers and petitions, pray. Why? Because you've got the sword, that sword which is coming out of Jesus' mouth. That mighty weapon, you have it. It's the only offensive weapon in, in, in the, in the armour of God. And he's saying, because you've got that sword, pray, pray, pray. It's, it's desperate that you pray. Pray of all prayers. If you're praying to God for something, great. If you're praying to a mountain to get rid of it, great. If you're, if you're, if you're praising God, great. If you're speaking prophecy, great. Doesn't matter what it is. If you're preaching, great. But let your mouth be filled with the Word of God. And it's like a sword coming out. See, creation is groaning. Hull is groaning. For the sons of God to be revealed. It's waiting. Hull is waiting for someone to take responsibility. And speak. Whether that be prayer, whether that be prophecy, but speak breakthrough over that area. You see, prostitution in this city. It's just waiting for someone to stand up and take responsibility for the prostitutes. Go to God in prayer and ask Him for the power and then to speak blessing and to keep interceding and just to keep the Word of God coming out of His mouth, out of your mouth. And then we see breakthrough. The police force in, in this city is just waiting for someone, a child of God, a son of God, to stand up and take responsibility, get out of their chair and start to take responsibility for the, for the city that we're in and use the mighty weapons of God to bring about change. Yeah. Holly's waiting for us to stand up and take some responsibility. Will you stand up with me? We can make it prophetic out, getting out of our armchairs, getting off our couch. And for a minute, we're just going to take this into action. I want the Holy Spirit to remember, just allow the Holy Spirit to talk, to tell you something that needs to change in this city. Maybe it's the schools. 
Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your street. Maybe it's your family. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal something to your heart that needs breakthrough, that needs us to take ground. Maybe it's the politicians. And now we're going to start to pray for them. Now we're going to just start praying, start praying. I don't really care what type of prayer you're praying. Just start praying. Just start opening your mouth and start using your sword. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take responsibility. Take responsibility and start to use your sword. We lift up whole. We lift up whole to you. We lift up this region to you. And we ask, Father, will you change it? Will you bring heaven to earth? Will you release the floodgates of heaven? Will you release the blessing of heaven upon our city? Will you destroy the crime rate? Will you destroy prostitution? Will you destroy drugs? Father, we call upon you. We call upon you. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to do it. But we call upon you who knows how to do it, who has all power and all authority. Father, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. And now just start to speak blessing. Start to speak blessing. Blessing. Blessing over your family. Blessing over this church. Blessing over our building project. Blessing. 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 Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, namaha. Jesus. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, namaha. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.